A lifetime of hard work, children laughing in the kitchen, family photos on a restaurant wall, a legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation, like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Janelle King Show, and I am Janelle King, and this is Extra 106.3. This is where we discuss kitchen table topics that are banned from family gatherings, typically, but they're necessary for a strong republic. We've got to talk about these things, and this show airs every Saturday at 4 p.m., and then you can catch an encore episode every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. on Extra 106.3, and then on Tuesdays, you will be willing to catch my podcast which is downloaded on the podcast park or wherever you get your podcasts. But if you don't know what's the best option for you, feel free to go to my website, allthingsjking.com. That's allthingsjking.com. And if you're someone who has listened to the show and you have feedback, you have ideas, you just want to talk about something, you want to hear from me, you have a question, join in our Tus Talks. Tus Talks is a comment platform that is on the website, on the homepage. I got a message recently from someone who gave me a fabulous idea that led into the topic today. You know, I'm listening, I'm reading, I'm responding, and uh, I just like to interact with people. So please do that. As you know, we have started what I call my Hot 24 series. That is the hot topics that are in 2024 now that we are in an election year it's extremely important that we talk about these topics these are topics that I think will be on the front page um, in some shape form or fashion and the topics are abortion election integrity immigration healthcare, and the economy these are the top I guess you could say five topics but I'm calling them my hot 24 because they're the hot topics in 2024 we're gonna continue that and instead of breaking out a particular topic like I did in the past. I've I've talked about abortion. I've talked about election integrity, which I'm going to go deeper into. Um, at some point, I went really deep into immigration and what's happening with our border. Last week, I touched on healthcare. I'm going to go a little bit deeper into healthcare and election integrity and the economy. But I thought it was important that I take a pause from just highlighting that particular topic and begin to highlight something that encompasses all of that. And that's messaging. The message I received from the person that listened to the show and then went to my test talks in regards to putting up billboards in some swing states. I'm not going to read all of it. You have to go to the page and see it yourself, but it was really good. It was a great idea. Um, I've took it back to my team and I, I think that it's something that we may be able to do a little bit of, but I'm not sure. However, I thought it was just this fabulous idea and I wanted to continue having the conversation because it got me thinking about where we are today and how messaging is playing a major role in everything. But today I'm going to talk about messaging and packaging the message because there's some key things that I'm noticing. And before we dig into all of that, I have to kind of give you a little bit of a history lesson because when we think about propaganda and we talk about what's happening with propaganda, because that's what messaging really is. And not all propaganda is bad, but that is what it ultimately 
currently is, we have to go back and think about the history of propaganda. You know, when I talk about propaganda, I'm referring to information, which sometimes in most cases is a little bit biased. Um, Some may say it's misleading. I've seen that a lot, but it's disseminated with the intent of influencing public opinion, public beliefs or actions. And so this form of communication is strategically designed to shape perception and attitudes. And I think to fully understand propaganda, we have to understand how it's utilized and the methods that it typically uses. And it's typically spread throughout various different channels, you know, and that this includes obviously media, but then arts, literature, um, any other form of communication can be utilized when it is when you're disseminating propaganda when we're thinking about messaging as a whole. And the term is often associated with, like I said, being misleading or manipulative or things of that nature. However, it doesn't always have to be, you know, not all propaganda is inherently negative or evil. So it can also be utilized to promote positive causes as well. But when we think about the origin of propaganda and we can we can trace it back to the, the ancient times. And I like to kind of go through that really quickly. When we talk about the origin, let's talk about the origin of it, because oftentimes we are wondering, you know, this this something just kind of was made up. No, when you think about how it's all started, I think it's important to note that at the end of the day, this is a topic that is inherently inside of all of us. I think it's very connected to human nature. Ancient civilizations is probably the first indicator of some forms of propaganda. When I think about ancient civilizations, I'm talking about Rome, Egypt, Greece, you know, going all the way back to those days where rulers would use symbols and monuments and their own narratives to glorify their achievements or maintain social order. And I often realize or often think to myself, I wonder if the stories we hear of some of these great leaders are the actual real stories because (laughs) they seem so fascinating, almost godlike in some cases, which we know that is not the case, but it's how the story was told. But then you fast forward past the ancient civilization time and you know, we had the print revolution that came into play and the invention of the printing press, which is part of the 15th century. It played a very crucial role in the evolution of propaganda because now you had printed materials like pamphlets and posters that allowed for mass dissemination of information, which was really, really different because now you don't have to go through the long drawn out wait times of having to do it like before the printing press. Now we have something that can produce something a lot faster and sending out magazines and and, and all kinds of printed material to people became extremely, you know, impactful. Then you can go, let's go to the 20th century. Right. So like the whole political propaganda kind of really showed its face most, you know, mostly in the 20th century, because it was the time where we witnessed the rise of the control of propaganda from different regimes like Nazi Germany, the Soviet Russia and other regimes that use propaganda to control narratives and to ultimately manipulate the public as a whole. I think this is the case where we started looking at propaganda from a different perspective, different lens. It's interesting, my husband's military, so when I often think about propaganda and like how propaganda is being utilized, sometimes I'm tempted to to think about it from a military perspective, from the stories I've heard or from just watching videos and stuff like that, where it's just kind of bombarded in your face, it's loud, it's just 
It's a lot, right? The propaganda that's the most dangerous is the propaganda we saw during the rise of these these regimes that was really creating chaos and control over the people. I'll never forget that I was talking to my friend Chuck Burke, who is a Jewish man here. He's very, very involved in the Republican Jewish Coalition. And I um, assisted with supporting an initiative that they were working on with the city of Sandy Springs. And one of the things that we talked about in our conversation that I don't think I will ever forget is he talked about the other elements of how Hitler was able to become who he was. He said to me, and I'm not going to quote it verbatim because I don't remember it verbatim, but it was along the lines of, you know, it wasn't just coming from Hitler, the messaging. The messaging wasn't just coming from Hitler. The messaging was also coming from the bus driver, the the person who at the grocery store who was handing out pamphlets, the people in the corner, the role that the community played in its own demise without knowing it, you know, which was so unfortunate, but it did happen. is something that we don't talk about the most and or we don't talk about much at all. We typically just kind of go to what the message was that was causing people to believe in this and to think that this was a great outcome. But there was a role that was played without you even knowing it. I'm wondering if we are back into that. So if you fast forward to the modern era where we are right now, I would say in the contemporary era, the internet, digital communication has kind of like transformed the landscape of propaganda now. We have something totally different that we are working with. We're no longer just excited about the printing press. Now we're all digital and social media, online news and digital platforms have enabled this rapid and widespread dissemination of information. And it's for both genuine as well as misleading information. So where we are today, you know, while propaganda does have ancient roots, I think the method is of disseminating the information has certainly evolved over time. And we've adapt to technology and technological advancements and the changes in our societal structures. So in other words, like there's definitely been adjustments to what we agree with and what we stand for and how we what we agree we see as social norms. But the message, the message has changed. I do think that the method of disseminating the message has changed, but the effects overall has not. And understanding the history of propaganda is essential to being able to recognize these patterns. And today, after the break, we're going to continue this conversation talking about messaging because messaging matters more than the messenger in so many cases. And I think we are all messengers, whether you're in the grocery store, at the dinner table, at a kid's game. Voters are no longer simply voters today. We're shaping and participating in the conversation. Our voice has certainly been elevated. So when we return, I'm going to further discuss the political narratives a bit more. I'm going to discuss packaging the message and provide some additional tools so that you're not fooled. And at the close of the show, I'm going to go into my opinion as it relates to the difference between messaging with Republicans and Democrats, where we are today. So you're in for a treat. It should be a great show. I'm so excited you joined. I hope you've already learned something. You're listening to the Janelle King Show on Extra 106.3. We'll be right back. King show right here on extra 106.3 and before the the break I broke down the history of propaganda and I talked a lot about where we are when it comes to that and how propaganda has evolved from the ancient civilization times into 
where we are today. But now I want to dive into messaging and packaging the message. And the reason why I want to do this, and I felt like it was a good interjection in between my Hot 24 series where I was talking about, you know, the key topics that I believe is going to play a major, major role in our election cycle, this 2024 election cycle. What I've noticed is that we can talk about these topics all day long. We can go into why this is a problem why you should vote conservative, you know, a Republican in this upcoming election. We can talk about why, how the Democrats are wrong or vice versa, however you feel. We can go into that all day long. However, I think it's extremely important that we pay attention to how this information is being packaged and presented to us. And the reason why I say that is because during my uh, topic on abortion, which you can go back and listen to, I talked about a young lady whose name is Brittany Watts. And Brittany is a woman who was on a headline and did an ABC News interview where I think it was ABC, maybe in CBS or someone else, another network, so don't quote me on that. But anyway, she did a recent interview where she stated she was arrested for having a miscarriage and it just, it did not sound right. It didn't sit right. And as we broke it all down, we saw that there was major context that was missing, much like the the story with Norma, who was the original Jane Roe, who was used to be the face of the abortion industry and to push and, and bring this into the world and really push abortion on a federal level. And it was done because of two attorneys, two women who were young attorneys who saw that they could use her story, manipulate it a little bit, present it a certain type of way and get the emotions behind it in order to get people to support and to get behind it and rally behind it. Come to find out, the woman stated that she was paid to do it. Before she passed away, she came out and said that it was never her intentions to push for an abortion. She had already had two other children. She gave one to her mother to, who, who has primary custody. And then the other, I think she put up for adoption. And then this last child that they were, when she was pregnant, they were utilizing this last child as her key focus of this campaign that they were pushing she ended up putting that baby up for adoption so she never even had an abortion in her life and but yet she was the face of an abortion and so you know and then we we really went into that because it's important that we not allow our emotions to drive everything so just as a recap because that was a big political narrative that was played on us and a lot of people fell for it and I'm concerned that people will fall for this Brittany Watts story as well. But just as a recap, you gotta know what the elements are of a political narrative and in order to spot them. So the first element is, and it's not necessarily in this order, but these are key elements that have to be a part of your political narrative. You have storytelling. You know, every political narrative is presented as a story. Then you have framing, which is where you kind of create different frames around the topic that leads to different interpretations. So it's you they're framing the conversation so that you can interpret it a certain way. You're 
cast of characters. You can't forget the cast of characters, which are people like Brittany Watts or Norma. And it could be one person. It could be a bunch of people like Black Lives Matter, who kind of made the cast of characters. Every black person, particularly black men, whether you want it to be it or not, you were in it. So stuff like that. Then you have to think about the messaging, of course. You know, if the narrative is the narratives are always conveying a specific message values or or a specific policy position so you got to pay attention to that they typically say some of the same things over and over and over again this is something that i think people are really like latching on to um since i've put this out there and i've started talking about political narratives and really paying attention to this people have come up to me and said oh man like i i can hear now the consistency it's amazing once this is turned on how it affects you and what i mean by that is oftentimes in messaging you see a consistent message that is reinforced through the narrative it's just over and over and over again you're saying the same words you know we all have to do this and Like, for instance, when I hear people say things like, um, we have to create space for this. We got to create space for this, right? (laughs) I find myself trying to get these new terminologies out of my head that's being pushed on me. Microaggression. It's a microaggression. Everyone keeps saying it until it becomes a thing. We've never heard that word ever in our lives. But now all of a sudden it's a staple in our communication and so that's that's what i mean by looking for repeating the same line or the same words because consistent messaging definitely reinforces the narrative and then we talked about another element which is contextualization and this is interesting because contextualization is the part of the narrative where they're basically telling you how they want you to think about this and how they want you to receive it and they're doing it in a very tricky way Um, It's a very manipulative way of getting you to receive the presented narrative the way they want you to perceive it. So you really have to be careful when it comes to that. And then lastly, you have, or not lastly, I will say next to last, the appeal to your emotions. Oh my gosh. So successful narratives evoke empathy. They evoke concern. They evoke excitement. It's any type of like emotional range that you feel, you know, when you're watching a commercial, there was a commercial that came on, I believe it was during the Super Bowl, or maybe it was just around this time, but There was a commercial that I saw and it was a young kid who was in a different country and he was being introduced to just a a new way of of achievement and of thinking and and however they were doing it, it was very emotional and it made me feel, I felt it and I saw it as for what it is, it's an ad, it's advertising, it's trying to get me to buy something or participating something. However, I can't deny that there was a deep appeal to the emotions. You got to pay attention to that. And lastly, amplification from the media. The media is always going to amplify the narrative if they are in support of it, you know, and the media plays a very crucial role in amplifying and disseminating political narratives in particular. So I really want us to pay attention to that. I really want us to be a part of this conversation and start really looking for these political narratives. So now that we have that in mind, now that we are sure that we have some key elements to listen out for when it comes to political narratives, I think it's important that we talk about packaging the message. And this is really the heart of today's topic because you can have all the information, 
you can have all the facts, but if you are not able to package it in a very, in a successful way, you're going to find yourself in a position where you're really going to be struggling. So when it comes to messaging, when it comes to packaging your message, what are some key elements that your message has to have? And the reason why I'm talking to you is because as I stated in the first block, you know, we are all messengers today. It's no longer the news. It's no longer just, you know, mainstream media. As long as you have a social media page, you are a messenger. Every time you post a comment, every time you um, post anything, an article that you read, you're sharing that. You're aiding in pushing this message. Dare I say, we're all, we've all become propagandists because we are out here now pushing our narrative, our message, what we believe out to people. Now, there's a difference with sharing, pushing your message out there, putting it on the main stage and allowing people to decipher between whether or not they want to receive it or not and constructing a message so that it will be received a certain type of way. That's different. If I'm just making a statement and you're listening to it, you're like, hmm, I wonder what she means by that or hmm, this is what I gathered from it. That's one thing. But I think the problem is when you start seeing people, you know, pushing out what they want you to believe. And then if you don't agree to it or believe in it, then that's when you know you're finding yourself on the outs. That's when it does become a problem. Since we are all messengers, I think it's important that you know that there are some key elements that there should that should be a part of your package as you are packaging what your message is. And the first is to be clear and simple, clear and simple. Make sure that whatever you're trying to convey, that it ensures that your main message, the main message that you have in that narrative is clear and that it's easy to understand. You have to clearly define the purpose of your narrative. Keep in mind that the message you are sending What is it for? Is it to educate or is it to change perspectives? So be careful how you're sending the message. However, make sure it is clear and make sure that it is something simple. The thing I see the most in politics is that we have a good idea, a good message, but the way we communicate it is just not in the most clear, precise, and simple way. Next, the audience. Who is your audience and what do you understand about your audience? Knowing your audience and tailoring your your message to, to resonate with them is key. So you have to consider the values, the interests, and the perspectives of your audience. If I'm speaking to liberals, then you've got to understand that they value certain things differently politically than we do as conservatives. And oftentimes, I've run into situations where we've identified the audience that we want to target, but we have lost sight of who they are. We don't know anything about the audience, right? So in other words, you say, I want to target liberals, But then next thing you know, the liberals that you're targeting, you're targeting them with messaging that it's just hard to receive or it's just not something they want to receive, right? I mean, 
telling a liberal you're crazy if you voted for Joe Biden. It's not a package that I would want to receive if I was a Democrat. Next, visual elements. How can imagery reinforce your message, right? Like how can you incorporate different visuals such as images or infographs or videos to enhance the narrative? I'm not talking about information bias where you're out here just saying stuff. But how do you really utilize this stuff to really push it? Something I saw was the Hamas-Israeli war. Gaza and Al Jazeera is showing nothing but death and destruction. They are most certainly utilizing this element in their narrative in order to drive support in their direction. I can't tell you how many people say things like, oh my God, do you see the children playing in the park with no toys? Or, and I mean, it's just so sad. Now, whereas with Israel, I mean, when I went in to watch the video from October 7th, and I'm so grateful that my good friend Chuck allowed me to do that or gave me that opportunity, they took our phones. They didn't want us reposting these images and showing people and like using this. But apparently that is definitely in the works and in the cards for the other side. So visual elements is definitely key. and You have to pay attention to that whenever you are putting together your messaging. Next Consistency, ensuring consistency in your narrative across different platforms is key. You can't be saying one thing in Twitter and another thing or on X and another thing on IG and another thing in Facebook. And then when you're out with crowds, you say something else. You got to watch this because hypocrisy is the number one way to kill your witness, to kill your ability to be able to really share what you stand for because no one will believe you. No one will believe you. And I know that to be a fact because there were times when I look at what's happening and I'm a, I'm a Republican, so I'm going to talk about my side and I'm going to hold my side accountable. When I see, you know, people say things to me like, oh, such and such is a rhino. I'm not supporting them. They're this, they're that. And then three days later, I hear someone who they respect say, oh, I'm supporting this person now. I've forgiven them. I think we should move on. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're all good. We're all friends. I'm seeing this a little bit with those who are supporting RFK, the conservatives that are supporting RFK, who will say things like, oh, well, the Bernie crowd or the Bernie people are not that bad. We all, they they want the same things that we want. Now, they're willing to neglect or negate some of the other messaging that we're hearing from that side, you know, as it relates to genders and 56 genders and all this other stuff. However, you know, where where we can agree, now all of a sudden, you're the person. So we have to be careful. We have to be extremely, extremely careful about how we are messaging with our consistency consistency does build trust it does reinforce your message it's and it is really 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 important to messaging as a whole but I really want us to be careful when it comes to making sure we're not being hypocrites that we're standing in our honest and authentic self which leads to the next point which is authenticity be genuine be authentic to your message Make sure that you have authentic stories that are relatable, that you can really connect to the message and avoid exaggerations and misleading information, which I don't think is really happening. I think a lot of people are not avoiding it. I think they're encouraging it, but you got to be careful with that. 
And something else I like to add when it comes to authenticity is to show vulnerability. You know, can we not all be perfect? Because we're not all perfect. I think it's important that we show our vulnerable side. You know, there are times where I would say something and then I would come back and say, you know what, I was wrong about that. I don't know if I, that that was the best way to handle that or that was the best way of messaging that. So making sure that we are authentic, but also showing some vulnerability, showing areas where we can grow, areas of growth, highlighting that is also extremely, extremely important. And then last but not least, another element to having strong messaging and making sure you're packaging your message strongly is having a call to action or a feedback type of mechanism, right? You want to clearly state what the action is that you want from your audience and take after hearing the message you want it to be clear, you the message you want them to take after hearing what it is that you're trying to convey. A strong call to action gives purpose to your to your story, to your message, to your narrative. It just gets purpose to it. And then feedback, requiring feedback is key to establishing a strong connection. So I do think that all of these things play, like I said, such a, a, a major, major, major role in all of this. But I do think that uh, sometimes we we get a little mixed in to our feelings and oftentimes i see us conveying our emotions rather than our message you know we're saying things like the country is falling apart or i'm so scared that th- that we're losing and democracy is this and that and if you think about it it almost sounds like both sides of the aisle is almost saying the exact same thing right the democracy is at stake you know the republic is at stake and all of that is great but it's so emotional what do what do i do with that if i'm someone who's not politically involved or is active what do i do when i hear that let's make sure that we have a call to action what do we want you to do you know, what do we, the thing that I'm doing now is I'm posting these little videos to try to educate particularly our young people on the basics of politics is I'm, I have this hashtag called vote responsibly. That's my call to action. My call to action is that you get out there and you vote as a responsible adult, not as someone who has been propagandized into only doing whatever TikTok is telling me to do. And that leads me into tools that I would like to recommend to you so you don't like a fool, so you are not being utilized and being swayed every which way, every five minutes on on whatever the wind blows the propaganda. I really want you to be ahead of this. So how do you respond to a spotted narrative? How do you take your all this information that you're being bombarded with and be able to disseminate it within yourself and to your family so that you're not being taken advantage of or utilized. And the first tip that I always like to give, and I did mention this on a previous show, but I want to talk about it a little bit deeper, is diversifying your sources. I absolutely believe that you have to diversify your, your sources. That means incorporating opposing perspectives. So change it up. Listen to all of them. On any given day, I will sit in front of the computer, I mean, in front of the TV, and I'll, I I typically watch The Five every day. I obviously watch my show on Sundays, and which is The Georgia Gang that airs on Fox 5 Atlanta at 8.30 a.m. But I also like to, I turn to News Nation, I which has become one of my favorites. I turn to 
Um, obviously Fox, MSNBC. I listen to CNN. I listen to Newsmax. So I, I try to find every single network. And even if it's like, even when it comes to local news, I'll listen to Atlanta News first, as well as Fox 5 or WSB. So I listen to everything. And I think that you need to hear that because typically they're all talking about the same topic, but you get different angles and then you can kind of decipher between it. Next, I say check for context. Make sure that you're listening. When I heard the story with Brittany Watts, one of the things that stood out to me was that she said something along the lines of, I was on the toilet and this is, you know, a little bit graphic, but she said she had a miscarriage, but she said she heard a splash. And then she, next thing you know, the story goes, she's in the hospital. Well, where's the context? What happened in between that? Did you check out the splash? Did you see what was going on? So ask yourself that. Lastly, question assumptions. Anything that makes you pause that says, hmm, what was that? Trust your gut, you know, beware of underlining assumptions that are laced throughout the propaganda, right? So it's like if they say something along the lines of, I'm reporting the news here. There was an accident on Fifth Street and I think there was something that was thrown out of the window. Well, that's an assumption because you just said you think. So pay attention to that. Try to separate those from the facts. Once you do all these things, I think you'll be on top of it when it comes to messaging. So as we continue um, after the break, I'm going to give you my opinion on where I think we stand as Republicans and Democrats as it relates to messaging and packaging. Again, you're listening to The Janelle King Show. This is Janelle King on Extra 106.3. Stay tuned for the next half after the break. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk About It with Janelle King, which is now the Janelle King Show, and it airs right here on Extra 106.3 on Saturdays at 4 p.m. with an encore episode on Sundays at 9 a.m., followed by the podcast full episode dropping every Tuesday, and you can catch that on the podcast park or wherever you get your podcast. Feel free to go to my website, which is allthingsjking.com allthingsjking.com participate in our Tusk Talks which is just conversations with a bunch of other people who listen to the show and think about a lot of different topics so feel free to engage there before we complete this show if you missed it we were talking about messaging and packaging our message we're talking about how these hot topics of 2024 the economy abortion healthcare the election integrity immigration as these topics become hot topics going into this 2024 election cycle i think it's important that we talk about messaging and packaging and the fact that we're all little messengers now we all have a social media page which means you have a platform whether you have 5 followers or 5000 followers you have a platform and your message matters and I'm noticing things as I am pushing forward in politics that I'm a little concerned about. And I'm going to tell you the difference between messaging and packaging as it relates to Republicans and as it relates to Democrats. And again, this is my opinion. This is my assumption. As I said, pay attention to those assumptions. But it's something I've noticed over time. Something I've noticed over time. So let me start with Republicans. I feel like Republicans have a great message, but poor packaging, where I feel like Democrats have a poor message and great packaging. Why do I say that? Because oftentimes when I listen to the Republican message, I'm hearing that they are trying to tell us something, that we are trying to convey something to you through statistics or through just data points that we've located 
through research and travel and conversations and things that just don't add up that seems to have a linkage towards the message that we are trying to convey. And oftentimes it's quite fruitful, right? We're like, this is something that we've seen. We know it works. Uh, I have a personal story that where I've implemented these principles and I've seen a change in my life and I believe that it would happen to you. And I, I mean, all of that greatness, right, is there. But we often package it in insults or condescending statements. We, we often find ourselves saying things that can be hurtful. One of the things that I hear a lot that I don't like coming from the conservative side, particularly when it's messaging to diverse communities or the black community, is when we say things like, you got to get off the plantation or they're putting you back on the plantation or the plantation this and the plantation that. Well, for one, that could be extremely insulting to uh, black members of the black community because we don't want to go back to slavery in our minds. We're trying to move away from that because you keep telling us that we need to move on and move forward and move past it. But at the same time, we find ourselves continuing to be in a situation where we're hearing this over and over and over again. So I think like, Getting rid of some of those deflammatory or in, not deflammatory, but more inflammatory comments, I think are is a way for us to really start focusing in on how are we packaging this message. Um, I've stated before, I've said it publicly that I love some of the people that we have representing our party. I love our Candace Owens and you know the Ben Shapiro's and. Matt Walsh's and wherever you are, you know, the Kim Klasics. I mean, there's so many myself, you know, that's representing the party. However, I do get concerned when I feel like it's the messaging is going in a direction that's hurtful or insulting and or condescending. If I don't know something, yes, that makes me ignorant of it. But calling me ignorant without telling me what I don't know or calling me ignorant while telling me what I don't know can all play a negative role in me receiving the message. So I really want us to be careful when we're talking to people that we're not slipping in a little bit of our emotions in the packaging of that message. Whereas on the flip side, we have Democrats that I personally believe provides every excuse and potential excuse for not succeeding. It's like, if you don't get out here and make it happen and do something, if your first idea doesn't work, if that first job ends up letting you go, then we somehow, for some reason, I feel like Democrats typically pull it back to something external. That it's not necessarily you. It's not your attitude. It's not your perspective on life. It's not your weak work ethic. It's not any of those things. It's gotta be the fact that there's some type of external force that is out here pushing you into your failures. And that's a problem for me. But the thing is, they package it in a package of hope. It's always a message of hope, a message of, I get you, I understand you, I have your back. I Don't you worry, I'm gonna look out for you. I know you don't know what you don't know, so let me think about it for you. That's kind of how I feel that the Democrats tend to message or package their message. In doing that, they get a lot of support. Statistically, there are more people who identify as liberal or Democrat than there are people who identify as conservative, statistically. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that they package their message a lot better. Is the message helpful? No, it's a bit 
detrimental if you really think about it, because telling people that, you know, are dividing people by the color of their skin or dividing people by their, their finances and their economic situation to me only leads to a further victimized mentality. And when we start creating these victimization uh, messaging, that's telling people that you're being harmed externally. And that's the cause of why you, where you are, that's a problem for me. Here's a great example. Or at least I think it's a great example. I was listening to a podcast that was talking about how I think the overall message was around obesity and how, you know, oftentimes there's food and there's a scientist who found that a lot of the preservatives that are in food serve as a block to your the receptors that tell you to stop eating and ultimately you just continue to keep eating keep eating keep eating and you're not in that those preservatives are harming you now is that an external force absolutely i do think that's an aspect of the conversation that we have to have but where i think we hit the fork in the road is where as republicans i believe that we take that same message and we send this out to people to say hey guess what there is hope you don't have to live like this. You don't have to be forced into obesity. Here's some here's here's some information I want to give you. How about you check out some farmers markets and we start messaging going to farmers market, buying groceries that are not as processed, learning about growing your own food and encouraging them in that way rather than saying that there's a a thing called body positivity and fat positivity and you're encouraging people to stay obese and stay in that situation that is different that is poor messaging being packaged in this message of hope that's still hurting people i'm asking you to ask yourself what will happen if you found yourself in a place where you can create great messaging in a great package that's what i'm hoping that my organization let's win for america action does Let's Win for America Action was born out of my husband and I deciding that we've got to do something about poor messaging and we want to make sure that we are pushing good messaging forward. And you can go to lwfaa.com, that's lwfaa.com, to find out more about what we're doing and more about our messaging tactics as it relates to pushing the conservative principles into the community. I hope you do the same. I hope this was helpful to you. To all my messengers out there, please pay attention to this. Use your platform wisely, vote responsibly, and make sure that you tune in next week to the Janelle King Show right here on Extra 106.3. Thank you. This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Is there chaos in your closet? Look, Blouse, you've got some nerve hanging there like that. I can't help it. I'm jammed in here next to this suit. Hey, I'm a three-piece, all right, which means I need a little more room. You've got a lot of attitude for a linen suit. I'm a polyester blend, sweetheart, and there needs to be room for men's clothes, too. Hi, I'm Christina, and in Artisan Custom Closets, we help families organize and simplify their closets with customized storage solutions. See what's possible for your home at artisancustomcloset.com and then call us for a free in-home consultation. 